0: This is another sermon in the series on the seven deadly sins. I I might actually get to nine deadly sins, believe it or not. I have two more to add to the traditional. But um, this one today is on anger. Wrath. When I was growing up and in my early to middle teens, um, I was somewhat of a drugstore cowboy Uh, I used to hang out on West Washington Street in Charleston in front of Loman's Store, part of the time and down the street about 200 feet, Thaxton's Store. We hung out there and talked and did nothing but talk. That's about all we did. We didn't really get into trouble. One fellow there that met was a little older than I, and he uh, was very funny. His name was Fats Alexander, and he told good stories. I bring him up because uh, of his brother that I did not know who was, and I'd seen him many times, but I didn't really know him. You couldn't know him. He was kind of distant and alienated from everyone. He's probably 23 or 24, about 10 years older than we were. And um, he seemed to have a lot of different kinds of jobs, stock boy, that kind of thing. So uh, on uh, one uh, occasion, he, he announced to his brother, uh, and I heard him say, you know, I got a, a good job and uh, I'm working at uh, Sears Furniture Warehouse, which was only about a block away. And um, a couple months later, he was fired. About two days later, he went back and burned the warehouse down. It's a large warehouse, five, six times bigger than this church. They also, though, found his body in the remains, the debris. Anger. He was incensed. He burnt up the warehouse and he burnt up himself. You know, anger is like a fire. It can be a great benefit just like fire. Cook your food, warm your house, can be harnessed and used in many and various ways. Run your car. But when it is unleashed and uncontrolled, it can do terrible, terrible damage. And so today I can understand, and I hope you. Will concur that anger or wrath needs to be listed among the seven deadly sins. Uh, It is listed among the seven deadly sins and for good reason. This is an emotion, and the least controlled aspect of our, if you will, personhood happens to be our emotions. We sometimes can control our intellect. In fact, our intellect should control our wills and our emotions most of the time. But the most unstable faculty that we have happens to be our emotions, and anger is an emotional response to life, often an out of controlled emotional response, which leads to destruction. It is like, then, a fire. In this sermon, I want you to see that we are to beware of the power of anger. And in the face of that, we ought also always to cultivate patience. The virtue that is the opposite of anger is patience. We must be aware of anger as an emotion and what it can do but we must also, in the face of that, power, cultivate patience. Our text consists of some verses found in Proverbs 29. And uh, let me just read or point out verse 22, which um, kind of summarizes what I'm getting at today. An angry man stirs up dissension... A hot-tempered one commits many sins. Now look at that verse carefully. An angry man disturbs up discord, dissension, turmoil. And a hot-tempered man commits many sins. If I understand this, anger is a gateway sin It leads to other sins, sometimes more serious sins. And so it is rightly then categorized as a deadly sin. Someone has defined anger as a strong feeling of displeasure and uh, it is aroused by a real or perceived wrong. It is a... It is something then that arises up within us. It can arise quickly or it might grow in us over a long period of time. Uh, As we come to this text though, and what I want to mention uh, follow, we need to to refine our understanding of what anger is and to make some distinctions because I think it's very easy to get confused when it comes uh, to this matter of anger or wrath. When I speak of anger and wrath, I'm not making any real distinctions between a whole range of words that stand for it. Anger, wrath, hostility, hatred, all of these fall under this category in the Bible. Anger often in the Bible then includes in every context at least one or more of these other synonyms or, or words that grow out of it or expand upon anger. I do, though, want to make this distinction when it comes to the difference between anger and hatred. Anger in the Bible, for the most part, is an emotion that can arise very quickly. It can also dissipate very quickly. We have words and phrases that speak of this. We speak of a quick-tempered person who got angry very quickly, or we talk about one who flies off the handle. That refers to this emotional response. But what happens if this emotional response does not dissipate? What happens if it settles in your heart and your soul? It can become a settled emotion or a settled, if you will, way of approaching life. I think that's what the man who burnt down the warehouse had experienced. Anger became settled in him so much so that he developed, if you will, a settled state of hatred. That's really one of the dangers of anger, that it can become settled in your soul and develop into a constant hatred or hostility toward whatever object or maybe just life. Maybe just life. I used to think that contrary that that uh, hostility or hatred was mainly a, a sin of the aged you know you've heard of the cranky old man or old woman who grows hostile in life and it's not for the young but it's not the case it is something we must be aware of throughout life that's an important distinction when anger becomes settled it turns into hatred and to hostility We also must make one other distinction. Anger in itself is not wrong. There's nowhere in the Bible that you will find a verse that that condemns anger as such. Not even hatred as such. Because anger and hatred are justified under certain conditions. In fact, if anger or hatred are not manifest under certain conditions, there's something wrong with the person. Now, why do I say that? Because God himself is said to be angry at certain things. He is angry with the wicked every day. God is hostile, of course, against that which threatens his creation. God must, in other words, hate certain things if he loves certain things. That which is loved, if it comes under threat, We must have a corresponding attitude that will try to destroy that which destroys. I'm talking here about justice. God loves justice, but he tempers his justice with mercy. But God rightly is said to be angry or even to hate certain things. You also can be angry and hate things and be entirely justified on solid ground. The question is, then, what are you going to do with it? Anger that is unjustified is directed at the wrong thing in the wrong way and takes the wrong action. Anger that is justified is properly directed and may become creative, enable a person, for instance, to to institute a reform that will correct an injustice. We ought to hate all forms of slavery. That would be justified, and those in the past who have done so have taken measures to implement reforms, often from Christian motivation. We ought to hate those things which destroy families and young people. I I must confess to you, I, I find little love in my heart for those who deal drugs outside of schools and get young children hooked on them. I have to nuance that hatred or that anger, but on the other hand, that's something to be hated, isn't it? It destroys young lives. That's why God says, I hate certain things. Because it means that people are vulnerable and and that people are treated uh, unjustly. That's why the Bible commends us to make sure that we take special note of the widow and the orphan. There's an injustice uh, usually that ends up people being widows and orphans. We ought to hate those kinds of things. And it is this creative anger that can do something about it and dress, redress those things that are wrong or evil. God is implacably, implacably hatred, has implacable hatred, if you will, toward all of that which opposes his good creation. He doesn't just get angry in one sin. He remains opposed oppositionally to that which is destructive to what he has made that is good. And God is justified. God would not be God without that. In that sense, then, we must make this distinction. Anger in itself is not necessarily the problem. It is what it is directed at, and it is whether it is justified or not. And so the Bible says you can be angry, but don't sin. Jesus said, don't be angry with your brother or your sister, if you will, without a cause. There are times that you rightly can get angry. I can remember with Marlene, uh, with another couple, we were over in Rhode Island some years ago on a three-day vacation and we went out to eat and it happened to be, I'd never been to one of these where they had some kind of show and a dinner party and uh, a comedian got up and started telling some jokes and it seemed pretty, pretty fine but then it slipped over into some very horrible, horrible imagery And uh, we got up and walked out. I think we were justified. I think we were justified. He was making fun of things that he should have been making fun of. He was saying things that were offensive. And while it is offensive to easily take offense, there are some things you should be offended by and some things you should get angry about. But that usually is not always the case, is it? Most of the time we get angry and hostile when we shouldn't. So how do you deal with that? How do you deal with the unjustified anger? How do you deal with the misdirected anger? How do you deal with this? Look at the life of Cain and Abel. It's very instructive. I almost put this down for the Old Testament reading. Do you remember the story of Cain and Abel? Two brothers brought two offerings To worship the Lord. Abel brought an offering. Of fat portions. From the firstborn of his flocks. His offering was accepted. Now I want you to notice that language in the text. If you want to go back and look at it this afternoon. He brought. The fat portions the best. From. The firstborn, he brought his best offering that he could bring and offered it up to the Lord. It is interesting, and I think that we get a subtlety here in the text that tells us why Cain's offering was rejected. What did Cain do? Well, he too brought an offering. He was not a herdsman. He happened to be a farmer. And he brought some fruit from the soil. That's all it says. Didn't say he brought his best fruit. It didn't say he brought his fruit when it first appeared. He may, in fact, and the insinuation seems to be that he he brought an inferior, if you will, offering, because he inside was something going on in his heart and life, and his offering really was a reflection of his attitude. God did not accept his offering. What was his response? Now notice, he's not justified, but he grows angry with God. Then, he turns around and directs his anger at his brother. But it wasn't just a momentary anger. It must have settled in his soul. It must have been grinding on him every day. I hate that brother of mine. I'm the firstborn. God ought to recognize that. My father ought to recognize that. I'm in the position of privilege, and look at him being favored. We also have jealousy here, don't we? That's why anger is a gateway sin. And one day he conspires in his anger, and he puts arms and feet to his emotion, and he takes his brother out to the field, invites him, and there his anger takes the form of murder he kills his brother now this in one sense in the entire flow of the text from Genesis 3 it shows the fall and it's a consequence but it also is a lesson on anger what can happen when anger festers in your heart and your soul when it is unjustified it some way somewhere somehow will come out if it doesn't come out, it will go in and destroy the person who is angry. It will destroy. Often it destroys both, both the warehouse and the one who sets the warehouse on fire. That's anger. That's its nature. And then God finally comes to him and says, "Why are you angry?" Now this is before he commits the murder. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted?" Now, this is a subtlety in the text that you should not miss. God's giving him an opportunity, if you will, to resubmit an offering, to repent. Get it right. Your worship requires the best of you. It requires humility. It requires your all. But he refused and went away. He refused to repent. And God puts a mark on him and still has mercy upon him. But he goes and becomes the progenitor of a number of people, some of whom were the implacable enemy of the people of God. Now, what can we learn here? His anger, Cain's, was unjustified. His angry anger was misdirected. It should not have been directed toward God, and it should not have been directed toward his brother. His anger was not dealt with when he had opportunity. His anger became settled in his soul. His anger finally took expression where he committed the first murder. Those are some lessons we can learn. Maybe you have some anger issues. Maybe you've gone to a counselor about it. I don't know, but sometimes when you go to a counselor, they'll say, well, just get it out of you. Let me tell you, anger breeds anger. Try it on the job. You'll find out if you express anger to people, you'll get it back. Lots. Modern psychology has lots of remedies for you to get rid of anger. We even have courses called anger management. Well, let me engage in some anger management just for a moment but from the Bible's perspective. The very first thing you need to do when you find yourself out of control with anger and it's misdirected is to agree with God and quickly agree with God. That is called repentance. Anger is a sin that rightly needs to be repented of to turn away from. That young man that I spoke about at the beginning, he may be alive today. He he might have been alive today if he had dealt with his anger. Turned from his wrath. And did the next thing, sought the peace of God. One of the great things in the Bible is the peace of God, shalom. Why do we greet each other with shalom? Why do we greet each other with a shake of the hand? We are saying we are in agreement with you. We mean you no harm, no ill. We wish God's blessings upon you. May the peace of God rule in your heart. Every Lord's Day we pass the peace, don't we? The peace of the Lord be with you. Why? Because we are showing and demonstrating that we want the peace of God to rule in our hearts and in your heart. The peace of God. One of the ways to deal with anger, of course, is to seek the peace of God. As we turn to him, we turn to him and say, Lord, fill me with your peace. Notice what the Lord says about the peacemaker in the Bible. The peace of God is to rule our hearts. The peace of God is our strength. And it is that that keeps if you will, unjustified, misdirect anger from taking control of our lives. Now, this happens to Christians. I'm telling you, I've, I've met many angry Christians. The first time I set foot on Westminster property in the manse in Newburgh, there was a man, a deacon of the church, that came up, the grass was about this tall, it was July the 5th, and uh, the grass had not been cut for several weeks. And I was moving in, Marlene and I, the next, uh, that day, the next day, Monday. or Actually, it was Saturday, because the next day was Sunday when I preached. We moved in on Saturday. And he grabbed that lawnmower. He was angry, and he threw it this way, and he threw it that way. He stayed in the church for about 10 years. I'm not going to tell you his name, but he was always an angry man. It didn't take anything to set him off. You might say he was belligerent. And in many ways, he had a great heart and a good heart. and he, He lives up north from here today. And he's older, probably in his 80s, early. He's left the church, he's left the Lord, and that anger has ruled his heart through the years. He even has a hard time now with the name Christian. I see him from time to time. Sets him off. You see, anger can knock you out of the race, distort the way you see things, cause you to misjudge your neighbor. It takes you out of reality into unreality. That is why we need to learn patience. Be still and know that I am God. Patience. Stop. Look around. Look to the Lord. Take a step back. This is the third thing. When you repent and you seek God's peace, then you have to cultivate, if you will, the gift of the spirit of patience. It is that virtue which enables you really to see things the way they are. An impatient person is a disturbed soul, if you will. An impatient person who is always prodding, conjoling and so forth, is not really seeing the damage that they're doing. Patience with our children. Patience with our spouse. Just ask my wife. I've got hundreds, tons of patience. It needs to be cultivated. Patience. Oh, God. Fill my, not, my heart with your, your peace and your patience. That's, that's the, the, the antidote to unjustified anger. Patience. Anger can be right and creative. There is no question. But it can be wrong and destructive. And the cure is repentance, the peace of God, and the virtue of patience. Amen.